Greetings, film fans. Welcome to the Big Review Ski bonus feature. Yes. Yeah. Number two. Because it's a DVD you're listening to. Exactly. Um, yeah, so this is part of our brand new bonus feature series. We've already had uh, Rory Cashin's interview with the director and writer um, and star of The Cured. That makes it sound like three people, but there are only two people there. Yes. David Frayne and Sam Keeley. Yes, it was a very good, a very interesting uh, interview, if I do say so myself. But... I think in terms of interest levels, you've you've got me beat because while people do come on this show to listen to actors and directors and writers talk about it, you've come out of left field. You're like, do you know what? Do you know what, Paul and Rory? What? Do you know what I've got in my back pocket? Do you know what I brought along? Who? A monk. A Buddhist monk. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I had the chance to sit down with uh, an Irish director called Chris Kelly and a Buddhist monk called the Venerable Luan Sovat. Um, both of them are well Chris has made a brand new documentary about Cambodia called A Cambodian Spring and the Venerable Sovat is one of the main guys in this he's also partly responsible for a lot of the footage as well it's basically looking at this massive uprising that took place in Cambodia. There's a shortened version of the interview in the most recent episode of The Big Review Ski. Um, but this is the full chat with the two guys. And just a wee bit of background on this. Like, I didn't... I Have you? Have either of you met a, a Buddhist monk before? Uh, no. You're actually no. thinking about this. Did I you think, have to I think, think that about that for a second? I remember. Uh, no, I... Not that I'm aware of, no. But I don't ask every person I meet if they are a Buddhist monk. You'd kind of remember if you met a Buddhist Why? monk. Because, well, they've got all the, the orange get-up, like all the, the oh, massive robes and stuff yeah, as well. And he was rocking the socks and sandals look, which, you know... He's in fashion this year. in fashion. Did you hear? Socks and, so- socks and sandals are... Yeah, it's like oh, no. in fashion. But the, <laughs> the thing that I didn't realise, you're not supposed to shake hands with a Buddhist monk. Oh. So you actually greet them by putting your hands together as if you were praying and then doing a bow. As right. well, the Damien Duff celebration instead. The Damien Duff celebration, exactly. Uh, <laughs> sportsing, Rory. It's okay. It's a football reference. Oh, this is not that podcast, <laughs> you guys. But basically, uh, and then you you refer to him as the Venerable Sovath, like the Venerable Rory Cashin or the Venerable Paul Moore. I like no. that title. <laughs> you can both have it. You're both fully qualified Buddhist monks now. Um, I get but, my orange get up. But whenever uh, uh, he arrived for the interview, I was like. Yeah, to do the proper greeting and everything and I put my hands together and I did it's lovely to meet you venerable Sovat and kind of eye contact looking at him and I thought he would do the same thing back and he just kind of like flicked his head like alright <laughs> <laughs> like just like another so, alright how's it going so how's it going he's, so, probably, he's probably going for a high five he's the only and coolest Buddhist monk I've ever met in my life um, the film is 100% worth checking out it's in Irish cinemas from this week released on May the 4th and it is going to get a UK release I think around mid-May as well so do keep an eye out for it it'll be limited release but it's definitely worth going to check out uh, this is my chat with uh, the very talented Chris Kelly and the very venerable uh, Luan Sovat Chris and Venerable Sovat, hello. It's lovely to meet you. How are you both doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. I'm fine, thank you. Good stuff. Um, Well, congratulations, first of all, on your documentary, uh, A Cambodian Spring, uh, a bit of a joint effort. And before uh, we discuss the film itself, uh, would you mind just introducing yourselves, uh, just for the listeners, just for a little bit of background uh, to yourselves and uh, what kind of work you've been doing? 
Yeah, my name's Chris Kelly. I'm a documentary filmmaker from Derry, and I've spent the last nine years making uh, Cambodian Spring. So I was based in Cambodia for six years, and that's where I met Venerable Savat, who is a, a Buddhist monk and human rights defender. Yeah, I'm Venerable Lun Savat, come from Cambodia. So um, we come of human rights defender because of... Uh, uh, joint activity to help the uh, victim people by land grabbing or uh, human rights violation in Cambodia advocacy for justice yeah because this was a story that I was completely unfamiliar with uh, whenever people mention Cambodia a lot of people from Ireland and the UK go travelling over there but it's usually like kind of holidays and things but obviously Chris you spent six years of your life working over there and the focus for the film is this horrible corruption and land grabbing that's going on in particular regions of Cambodia did you know of the story before going out there or was it uh, that you happened to be there and you stumbled across it how did how did the idea for the documentary come about I, I, like you said I've been there as a tourist actually in 2006 I've been travelling as a backpacker around Southeast Asia and came to Cambodia and ended up spending a few months there and just kind of fell in love with the country with the warmth and generosity of the people but also became quite fascinated by the history and you know what had happened with the Khmer Rouge and the genocide there and so um, as a filmmaker I wanted to kind of make a film in Cambodia but I didn't want to look at what had been done in the past and what had happened in the past but I wanted to try and find a story about what was happening in modern day Cambodia and that's when the land rights uh, story came up uh, after doing research so I applied for the funding from the Irish Film Board and Northern Ireland Screen, got that and then went back in 2009 expressly to make the documentary and that's when I met the Venerable Savat And Venerable Savat you're a Buddhist monk of course and uh, you live and work it's the pagodas in Cambodia Um, but whenever the uh, people had their land taken away from them you decided to get involved to help them in their human rights why did you why did you decide to help them Um, yeah because of in Cambodia of human rights violation happened because of uh, corruption injustice and also land uh, grabbing and in my village my family and my community in Chikrain uh, district Simria province were forcibly by uh, violation shooting fighting for land grabbing and make my brother and my uh, nephew were seriously injured by shooting and also they not only take out the land from the farmer but also they arrested the farmer representative of the community sent to the prison 12 people so like this I'm very pity on to them and my compassion and the name of the uh, Buddhism so we love peace, justice and compassion and also non-violation but what hap- whatever happened in Cambodia viola- violation uh, happened by the uh, police 
army and also the government that they held the power to crack down people. So like this, I don't want to see violation, don't want to see injustice, and don't want to see false eviction for uh, farmer or for poor people. So I decide to join activity to help them um, use uh, the Buddha wisdom relating to human rights and also I um, made a documentary for community also like poem or song or uh, VCD, DVD to advocacy for justice. Yeah, no, and it's so important to keep a record of things like that. And we will talk about your own kind of, uh, because you have so many phones and cameras as well, keeping a document of it. But before that, can you remember, Chris, the first time that you actually met each other and what that experience was like, just bumping into each other for the first time? Yeah, I'd been, I was just arrived in Cambodia. I'd been there about a month and was at a press conference and was filming. And the Venerable was there and he was also filming with a little Nokia N76 or something like a really old camera phone. A classic. Yeah, a real classic. And I thought, well, here's somebody who's filming and documenting. And I thought it would be really interesting as a filmmaker to also follow another filmmaker and to be able to reflect on kind of the, well, the role of documentary film in the wider political context and this kind of stuff. So I got speaking to the Venerable and I found out that he had studied philosophy at university and he was a keen painter and that he had been painting the story of Buddha on the walls of the pagodas all over the country. And then when the the land grab happened and his farmer's uh, land was taken he very naturally put down the paintbrushes and picked up a camera and it was very much an, it seemed like a natural progression for him and a continuation of the work that the kind of creative work that he had already been doing so it seemed very natural for him just to, to use the camera as a way to try to understand what was going on around him and I thought this would be make a really fascinating character or person to follow in a film as well and be able to kind of look at what role documentary can play yeah, there's a really interesting progression through the film because it takes place from around 2009 up till... 2015. 15. Mm-hmm. So over the course of those six years, uh, I think it's yourself, Venerable, with uh, with cameras and phones and obviously yourself, Chris, as well, and barely anybody else with any kind of uh, recording equipment or documentation, maybe like the news, things like that. But by the end of the film... There are so many people on both sides of the conflict who have phones and recording devices as well. So I suppose in a way, is that the kind of stroke of good luck you need right at the start of a project like that where, Venerable, you were actually filming uh, everything already? So then you can actually combine the footage for for both of you. it was kind of it was meant to be <laughs> to, to bump into each other and, and come yeah together. yeah I mean when I met the venerable there was nobody um, really that interested in the st- in f- looking at the Chi Krang case you know there weren't really many NGOs uh, working on the case and venerable wasn't he wasn't famous at the time but over the course of those six years he became you know, the, the most famous human rights defender in Cambodia and he won the Martin Ennals Award which is like the Nobel Prize for human rights defenders in in Switzerland in 2012 and has travelled all over the world for his um, for his advocacy and stuff so it was yeah it was very fortunate that um, I was there and I guess very lucky that we followed, that we met each other and was able to kind of continue to film for so long and venerable throughout the documentary um, as well as the struggle of your community 
with the uh, government. Uh, you're having your own struggles with uh, with the religion as well and the other monks. Uh, and I was wondering because obviously uh, I know the listeners can't see you at the minute, but you're you're wearing your Buddhist monk uh, bright orange uh, attire. So what what's the relationship now like for you with uh, the other monks and with uh, the other Buddhists? Mm. <coughs> and in Cambodia. Uh, the monk that working or join activity or speaking or doing like me is not so many monk. Why? Because of uh, Buddhism or Buddhism monk in Cambodia controlled by the politics, uh, by the government that they need to control everything, including Buddhism, including religion also. Not only media, TV, radio. Yeah, everything limited by the politics of the government. So like this, uh, not many monks working or doing like me. So the Buddhist monk that become a human rights defender in Cambodia, the first time only one me that stand up the first time to protest, to advocacy, to teaching, to promoting the human rights relating to Buddhism. So when I'm joined the activity, uh, just only film, just only a meditation of the Buddha, but advocacy, join solidarity with the community when they protest, when they make demonstration. Uh, to demand the uh, justice for home, for land, so they make demonstration. I'm go there to join with them, just uh, solidarity, like film or like uh, blessing mm-hmm. or praying or um, sometimes we use meditation. Yeah, meditation combined with the uh, protesting non-violation, but not easy to to use Buddhism like meditation together with the people for protesting because they, the government they regard that this is illegal meditation or they regard um, me is the fake monk or, or also they threaten accusation and also arrested so many many time and not only threaten arrested or, or stop my activity but they need to uh, cut off another monk that join activity right. mm-hmm. with me so like this uh, not easy for me that uh, uh, communicate with the another monk to join with me. But as I'm working step by step from one me until now, so many, many monks, over 100 or 1,000 monks stand up uh, with me in 2013 while the uh, during uh, national vote election uh, coming, so many monks stand up to join activity for uh, vote election campaign. But as the vote election finished, so uh, bad problem is happen by violation again to the people, by the government, 
crackdown violation shooting fighting arrested and start from 2013 so many monks will uh, afraid afraid and some monks stop activity and some monks uh, run run for escape and then uh, 2017 again for vote election vote election uh, for district and uh, commune vote election so the monk not many like in 2013 a small monk a little bit monk uh, still stand up but as they crack down again in 2017 and until now so no many monk uh, join activity for social uh, justice and also right now they need clear everything clear the monk clear the freedom media independent media NGO uh, any NGO and also the opposition party were clear <laughs> were delete and were killed by the government also why they kill like this why they do like this because they regard that uh, all activity like me also like me also is a uh, they regard that this is the group of uh, revolution. Yeah, the group of revolution. So they, uh, the government, they said, oh, they have uh, successful in 2017 to destroy revolution. But what revolution? This is uh, that they regard that uh, although we are teaching Buddhism, they regard we re- uh, revolution. Although we just filming, filming just smartphone right now, no TV, no radio to broadcast in Cambodia. Right now, we just film, upload to Facebook or YouTube or Internet only. But they regard this is the alliance or revolution. And also right now, many, many bad problems uh, by the government, they delete all. Yeah, they delete all. Yeah. So I'm not sure in the future if no opposition in Cambodia, so no democracy anymore. Yeah. It just sounds, uh, as I said, you know, the story was completely new to me and kicking off uh, in 2009 when you started your film and listened to the venerable there, it just seems like a horrible situation for the people. To still be in, um, would you say has there been much progress since you started making your documentary back geez, nearly ten years ago now, um, or is it in a better or worse place now than than whenever you started there? It it got better for a while, and it, but unfortunately, I think now, like the venerable just described, the situation is much worse now than it than it was at any time really before. Like in two thousand and nine, the situation was quite bad, and the land grabbing was really kind of on the crest of this wave, and it was becoming much bigger and bigger problem. And and but people stood up against it and became united, and there was a real solidarity and a really strong land protest movement that that grew out of it. Um, and that protest movement paid the way and laid the groundwork for the political protests that happened in 2013 and I think those political protests really scared the, the, the ruling party and since then Hun Sen has done everything he possibly can to shut down the opposition. He's dismantled the opposition party and given all of their seats in parliament to other to other politicians. They've put one of the leaders in prison and they've put and Sam Renzi's in exile in Paris and so 
uh, the like the venerable was describing, they've shut down all of the independent media in the country. So there's only state-run media now in order for people to get access to the news and things, other than Facebook and uh, on social media. Like people that people like the venerable have been using to try and get information out there. They've been putting a lot of journalists in prison. The journalists that worked, the Cambodian journalists that worked with me on the film, as well as the venerable, some of those people are in prison at the moment as well. They've been so going they're after your friends and people yeah. that you work with. Are you allowed to go back to the country? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't tried yet. I haven't heard that I'm not. So when was the last time you were there? 2015. So when the last the last scene in the film was the last thing that I shot. And when was the last time you were there, Venerable? Last week. Oh, last week. Yeah, okay. he's just arrived. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Welcome to Ireland. Yeah. yeah um, something is mentioned in the film and it says uh, religion belongs to the government now which is what you were talking about Venerable but was there a connection because we've got our own fair share of that in Ireland over uh, the last kind of few hundred years and thankfully it's not uh, we're not in a situation that Cambodia is in right now at this minute but was there a connection there Chris that you felt uh, between the Irish and the Cambodian people as well. You said you, you obviously felt this welcome and this warmth from them. Mm. But what was it about the, the connection there that you felt I have to stay in and tell this story? It was really people, to be honest. It was the bravery of the people that I'd met and their willingness to share their stories and their willingness to let me in and to document their lives and their situation, even though their allowing me to do that was putting them at greater risk of being singled out by the authorities, you know, for associating with a Westerner. And when people were willing to sacrifice so much and risk their own lives and risk their families and their future well-being in order to allow me to tell their story so that other Cambodians could be helped that was something I felt a huge obligation then to stay and to document I mean there are of course a lot of similarities in the stories but that was something that we tried in the film to really to focus on so we try rather than it's a film set in Cambodia but it's it looks at themes that are universally relevant so the kind of uncomfortable role uh, relationship between church and state is something that comes up in most societies around the world. Um, the corrupting nature of power, the human cost of being an activist, these are all things that people can associate with anywhere, really, and that was very much something that we wanted to focus on on the film to make the story, because I'm an outsider, I'm not a Cambodian, it's not for me to tell a definitive take on what happened in the, during those years in Cambodia, it's my subjective personal account, so I tried to look for those things that I as a human being can connect to and that I hope that anyone that sees the film could also connect with. Well, how did the Cambodians react to you? Or was it difficult to get into places or get access? Because, uh, like, to me, you look like a lad from Derry. Um, obviously, so if you turn up in Cambodia, as you said, I'm a Westerner here with a camera trying to get in. Was it uh, was it difficult at times because uh, maybe you weren't fitting in uh, quite as naturally, as, you know, to be that kind of seamless, you know, in the yeah. background with nobody noticing you? Well, I mean, th th as a documentary filmmaker, you're different than a journalist. A journalist flies in that day, gets a quote and goes home again. I'm there normally from first thing in the morning until last thing at night and often not filming, just being around and hanging around. So we spend a lot of time like Venerable and I, we spend a huge amount of time together in the provinces just in the pagodas and with the villagers and walking around and talking to people and meeting people. So you do spend 
a long period of time there and only some of that is filming but also when things are happening and it's very dramatic people tend to forget that you're there because they're much more concerned about trying to save their home or you know they're involved in a protest that turns violent or something like that with regards to the authorities I never published anything while I was there so I was left alone I was allowed to do what I was doing un- unimpeded because they didn't know what I was doing and so I wasn't seen as a threat and generally until recently they had been quite respectful of at least foreign journalists anyway they allowed them to do their job and to work Um, that's not the situation right now anymore unfortunately there's a foreign filmmaker in prison at the moment for flying a drone in Cambodia Um, so they are cracking down quite arbitrarily on people at the moment it could be very different for me if I go back now than it was before Definitely, Um, Venerable we mentioned uh, your love of technology <laughs> and your phones and your cameras and I was trying to think I was chatting to uh, Shane or something and we were like what was the first mobile phone you had um, because uh, as we said you seem to be out in front of other people and it's better gear than me better <laughs> actually so I was wondering what, what phone do you have now are you still like say for example on your visit to Ireland are you still documenting everything still filming everything yeah um why um use the smartphone or use uh, multimedia to help uh, people in Cambodia? Because of in Cambodia, no freedom of media, no real news by TV or radio. So like this, whatever I'm film and I'm upload to Facebook or YouTube or internet is real news. Real new and strong. I mean, a strong uh, advocacy that we want to saw what happened in Cambodia is real new to the world or to the Cambodian. So, uh, like this. So, my uh, activity or. Uh, uh, my uh, media like smartphone or camera so many mini to loads <laughs> yeah but uh, it's not not big like Greece Greece go everywhere big it too heavy and me only smartphone yeah right now uh, over 10 smartphone and my pocket my body and uh, security like a spy camera anything you have a 360 camera as well yeah oh, and two, uh, two drones two drones and Chris drone. is actually jealous yeah. of all the equipment <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything that we use it use for that's mean uh, to film film it see it, film it, and change it like the <laughs> witness uh, that I'm going to uh, New York uh, NGO logo uh, see it, film it, change it oh, it's like me also what you do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing in Cambodia, I want uh, to change it change it, that means change from bad to good, and change from uh, fake new to real new so not easy only smartphone to use to film in Cambodia for for example in 2017 when the uh, uh, campaign vote election uh, the CNOP party they uh, camp, uh, they uh, uh, campaign 
I'm going to film and lie on Facebook. So four months, including me, were arrested. Arrested by the army, by the authority, and take out my smartphone. My smartphone when I'm lie, they take out and delete, delete from uh, photo, video inside the smart, and also delete from Facebook also. So like this, they don't want me or don't want people to see what happened real new in Cambodia. So uh, uh, right now, so right now they start to crack down not only uh, camera but also on the media, uh, Facebook also, they crack down like the the cyber war and inside the Facebook. So my seven seven Facebook were <laughs> were, were um, um, hacked. Hack. Yeah. yeah, were hacked by the government because they they can hack. Not they can hack company Facebook. They hack from the phone number, phone number. So when we uh, create uh, Gmail or Yahoo, we use. Uh, telephone number. This is the policy of the company Gmail or Google of when we upload, so they know they know uh, the phone number. They can hack everything. Yeah, yeah. it's a, like, Chris, it seems like a, it's almost like an espionage film or like between spy cameras and getting your accounts hacked and everything. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not as exciting as a, as a spy film because it's actually happening as well. Yeah. Um, one of the other striking things as well as the work that you were doing venerable um chris was the the females in the like the kind of the lead women that you're following and they start off so timid in this documentary and by the end i think one of their daughters is describing them as tigers um and kind of their gradual uh change into becoming these political activists and obviously because we want people to see it so we won't say what happened but these ladies like seeing them uh kind of develop and change in front of your eyes what was that like because they're so uh, outspoken and some of them uh i think it's uh tep vanny has been celebrated internationally as well so what was it like knowing these women yeah really amazing actually like the women are such strong and powerful people in Cambodian society and culture anyway Um, and they were very much at the forefront of this protest movement the land rights movement it was very much led by women and it was their whole agenda was to have non-violent peaceful protests and in fact they were so effective at what they were doing that there were NGOs writing handbooks on how to effectively protest non-violently and using the Bangkok women as case studies they were so good at what they did and they're just fierce they're they're fiercely committed and they're fiercely intelligent and it's their homes that they were standing to lose and and people they just really got uh, behind the whole thing just so strongly and they were not necessarily always you know educated people they're not people who've gone to university these are just housewives or people who have you know normal jobs and they were able to force the World Bank to have an internal investigation into one of its programs and they were able to you know they were on the world stage with Hillary Clinton and things like that and the World Bank in in Washington so they've achieved a huge amount I think. 
what do you want as an Irish filmmaker for Irish audiences and UK audiences to, to take from the film? What do you want to happen? Because obviously from both of your descriptions it's still it's far from perfect uh, in Cambodia and obviously we don't expect a documentary to solve all those problems but like what what's your goal with the film? Um, I think I mean really the film for me it's about um, how people are always stronger when they're together and when they're united than when they're against each other or when they're divided and it's always better to forgive your friends for their mistakes and to stick together than to be apart. And Venerable, what's your hope for the future in Cambodia? Yeah, I'm still hope to change in Cambodia because we change already. Cambodia changed from 1993 from communist to democracy by the United Nations uh, to hell. To, re, to hell, uh, Cambodia changed to democracy country and the Cambodia start from there to now they change already change by vote change by vote but right now when the Khmer people change by vote and win by the democracy party uh, opposition party so the government they start delete delete democracy kill democracy and delete opposition party so like this make the Khmer people uh, in Cambodia unhappy very angry to the government and also uh, right now in the world also that they they start to criticize or start to uh, uh, solidarity to help Cambodia um, by um, by law or by uh, some uh, something but uh, for me I'm for me I'm uh, still hope because everything in the world will change so why Cambodia cannot change because the people change already, but the politics still not change. The leader still not change. The leader over 30 years ago still not change. Why? So like this, that uh, we need help. We need uh, solidarity together to help Cambodia to change, to see real democracy or real justice or real human right yeah we hung we, we we are very hungry to see uh, like this yeah and what's your hope for Cambodia Chris because obviously you have a very close connection with the country now um, yeah I mean it would be great to see free and fair elections in July and for there to be some opportunity for people for the people to be allowed to vote for what they want and vote for their futures I think that would be nice a, a good start at least so, A Cambodian Spring, uh, it's released in Ireland 4th of May. 4th of May across yeah. Ireland, yeah. And uh, you've got a release date in the UK as well. That's right, from the 18th of May, yeah. Excellent. So, uh, we encourage everybody to go out and see A Cambodian Spring. One last question for both of you, separate from the film. Um, now, Venerable, you mentioned, do those robes have pockets? Do you have <laughs> pockets on the robes? Yes, pocket yes. and my robe. <laughs> Excellent, because you mentioned that that's where you keep your phone. Basically, I had no idea those robes had had pockets <laughs> for lots years. Lots of different compartments. And lots them, of yeah. compartments in them. That's yeah. good. And uh, Chris, your other work that people might know you from Guinness Size Me. 
Is <laughs> your was that a, a short that you made or that was a feature doc I made um, in two thousand and five? Yeah, quite a while ago. It was a while ago. Yeah, it's part, I keep that one in the cupboard. Actually, all right, okay. <laughs> so we'll just ignore Guinness Eisner then. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, listen, uh, Venerable, thank you for traveling over from Cambodia uh, to talk to us uh, today, and best of luck with the rest of your visit to Ireland. And Chris, what's up next as a filmmaker? What are your plans? Um, well, trying to finish the release for this film, and then I'm in development on another animated film about slavery in the Thai fishing industry, based on the work that I did for The Guardian as a news reporter. Excellent. Will we have a release on that, or is it just a work in process? It's uh, a, process yeah, it won't be ten years from now, but it'll be a few <laughs> years. Yeah, it's an animated feature, so it takes a while to do all those drawings and things, yeah. Okay, well, the best of luck with that, and uh, congratulations again on a Cambodian Spring. Cheers. Thanks, thanks. very much. Thanks for having us.